Hi folks, John Curry here. Thank you for listening in on another episode of the Secure Retirement Podcast. I'm excited about today because I'm sitting across the table from my friend Kay Harris. Kay, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. We have talked over the years many times about different topics. We've known each other 19 or 20 years. I'm not sure which, but it's been a long time that we've worked together. More than 20. (laughs) More than 20. Would you please take a moment and just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, your background. There are so many topics we're going to touch on today. Florida Retirement System, importance of planning, uh, uh, widowhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, travel, because there's just so much information that you have that you can share. But please, take a moment and tell them who you are. Okay. Uh, Once again, I'm Kay Harris. I've lived in Tallahassee since I went to college here many, many years ago, and I am a Seminole fan for sure. But I stayed on to work for the state and ended up uh, working for the state in many capacities, mostly as a systems analyst, as a programmer, as a manager. And ended up working my 30 years plus another two and a half years in the DROP program. And uh, then it was ready. It was time for me to retire. So I've been retired now since 2006 and uh, had some opportunities to do some of the things I wanted to do uh, since then. Um, I'm a widow, which is, I think, important for, for me to bring into this conversation that I was widowed in 1997. And so I had to deal with not only the loss of a husband, but I had to deal with uh, an 11-year-old son I was still raising and two daughters in their 20s. So there were a lot of issues that I had to deal with uh, since retiring that I might not have been fully prepared for. But I had a lot of good counseling during the time because I've known John and he's been uh, steering me along all this time. I made some really good choices I'm very proud of, and I've made some uh, surprising <laughs> issues that have popped up that I was not prepared for, and uh, that's what I'm here for, is maybe to, to share some of those and to steer some of other people in the right direction. Very good. Uh, and we'll get into some of those that you're yes. alluding to, because <laughs> we've had some fun with that a lot. Okay, talk a little bit about the importance of planning going up to retirement. Uh, a lot of people will hear this that are not members of the Florida retirement system, but mm-hmm. a lot of them will be members of the right. Florida retirement system. While we were having lunch, we were talking about some of the things that are important. Uh, you and Jay and I were talking about that. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the importance of planning. And I don't want to tell you what to say, but just the overall planning that you mentioned us over lunch. Sure, sure. I, I'm a pretty good planner. Anyway, I was a pretty good manager with the state, and I've kind of prided myself on planning things well ahead of time. But I've learned along the way that there were some things I I didn't plan as well as I should have. And prior to retirement, I think I had my plans for travel and I had my basic plans down. But there were some little uh, details along the way that I I look back now and say, you know, I should have had a little bit more knowledge about what to do with things like uh, excess leave that I had accumulated over the years. Uh, and and the wisdom of taking that immediately uh, and or using it up before I retire, um, what to do with my deferred comp. Um, I knew about the rollover uh, situation with with the drop program, but uh, I didn't get all the I didn't know what the questions to ask uh, along the way and, and and made some decisions that could have been better uh, beforehand. So I would advise anybody in the Florida retire system if you're in drop especially, uh, to get some counseling well before you retired and before you start making all your travel plans and all the things you're going to do in retirement, make sure you got your ducks in a row as far as everything that's related that's going to come to you when you retire and make sure you've made uh, adequate plans to do that. You know, in our work, when uh, Jay and I meet with people or April and I, 
We talk about what we call a retirement rehearsal. We've done with you over the years. Absolutely. I find that if we can get people to sit and do that, and we project them ahead five mm -hmm. years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, right. and we always assume that our client's going to live to age 100. Mm -hmm. Why? Because some of you will. Exactly. And we don't want you to run out of money right. or run out of income. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good counsel to get counsel well before you think you need it. Exactly. But most people won't do that because we're so busy mm -hmm. fighting the fires that are in front of us, we don't take the time to plan ahead. Right. right. Uh, I want to go back to something you shared earlier that I think people should know. I know this is a little bit of uh, bragging, but share with our listeners what you experienced. You were ready to retire. You were asked to stay. Talk a little bit about the change you helped make in state government, because this was oh, a big deal. Sure. You helped a lot of people who are listening to this. Sure. They don't even know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, I was pretty much ready to retire after my 30 years uh, and, and leave the state. But I was asked to come back because uh, my, a dear friend of mine who had been a, a bot, one of my bosses uh, previously, just begged me to come back to the medical data section of the Florida Division of Workers' Comp, which is in financial services. And the reason was because Florida was like at the uh, number 50 in terms of uh, processing workers' comp medical data. It was basically a batch system, a hand-entered system. And he, he knew that I was pretty knowledgeable about uh, transforming systems. Excuse me a second. When you say number 50, you mean as far as ranking of the states? We ranking were, we of the states. We were dead state. last. We were dead last. Florida, this big state with huge workers' comp claims and a lot of medical data that had to come in. We were still processing it like something out of the 60s with uh, data coming in on pieces of paper that were then double-entried in a, in a huge room full of data entry people. And they said, we got to change all this. And what we did, and I said, okay, I'll come back. I'll stay one year that turned into two, that turned into two and a half. But what we did is we transformed, we basically uh, together transformed uh, the workers' comp data medical management system in the state of Florida to a server-based system that was top in the country when I left, and I'm pretty proud of that. We were able to save the state a lot of money in doing that. We got rid of a lot of those data entry people, and then we put them to, into other jobs they could do that were better, that were related to uh, electronic data processing. And when I retired around 2005 and 2006, that was still pretty new with the state to have a, a fully electronic medical data system for workers' compensation. It's, it's just so many pieces of paper, it's unimaginable. But we were um, we we did that, and we I got an award for that, and our unit got both the uh, Davis Productivity Award for innovation and for saving the state money. We saved something in the neighborhood of four million dollars a year. So that was a nice way to exit <laughs> uh, when I did finally leave. It was nice nice to know that we that we had accomplished something great for the state of Florida. And I'm really I'm really a lot of. People maybe don't think it's glamorous to work for the state, but I thoroughly enjoyed my 32 and a half years. It was time to go, and it was time to go, but I thoroughly enjoyed being there. And I was happy that we accomplished something that, that helped so many people and, and made Florida look really good. That's awesome. I was probably there when you received that award. I go to most of the <laughs> right. presentations. I always like to be a sponsor when I can. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your comment about uh, state work not being glamorous. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's important. My grandfather and my father both retired from the Department of Transportation mm -hmm. out of Defeniac Springs. Sure. And all these years I've had a passion, and I mean a passion for helping members of the Florida retirement system. Because mm -hmm. my grandfather got bad advice. When he retired, he took option one. Mm -hmm. He lived less than five years in retirement. So when he died, my grandmother lost that check for the rest right. of her life. Exactly. She lived 27 more years. All right. she had was Social Security and then what my dad mm -hmm. and my uncle did to help her. And when my dad saw that, 
he said, I'm not making the same mistake. So when he retired in 1992, at age 62, mm -hmm. he took option three. A good option because my mother's still getting that check when he died three and a half years ago. Sure. But they lost tens of thousands of dollars that they could have used during their lifetimes. Mm -hmm. So both men did the best they could do with what they knew, but they would not seek advice. Right. And no matter how much I offered, they didn't want to hear it. What, right. what, what did I know? Mm -hmm. you know I'm right. either son or grandson. Right, right. You, know, you don't know anything. <laughs> so <clears throat> so I, I'm just, I'm adamant about mm. us bringing good information to help people. Whether they work with us or not, they can work with somebody else. It doesn't matter as long as we help them. Exactly. So, exactly. so this thing about state employees, when somebody says, well, state government, mm -hmm. their state employees are lazy, or as one of our governors called it, lard bricks, mm -hmm. I go, okay, great. Let's fire all the state employees. Let's just shut them down. Mm -hmm. What happens to our economy? That's right. It goes to hell. That's where it goes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It, it all falls apart because exactly. we need those no good state employees. I didn't know those lard bricks. <laughs> we, all, we, all, we all worked very, very hard <laughs> where I worked and, and had a great relationship. But, but don't you think most people who work in state government honestly do a good day's work and they Absolutely, care. they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, you got a few do. bad apples everywhere. And they're dedicated and they're yes. committed and they really want to make a difference just like people everywhere else. Absolutely. And, and they take pride in their work. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Thank you for mm -hmm. uh, sharing that. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure that we, we gave a little kudos there for what we did because mm -hmm. see, it wasn't just for you personally and your team, mm -hmm. you made a contribution to the state, yeah, to sure. everyone sure. who lives in the state of Florida. Sure, absolutely. And that's what we want. Yeah. Great. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit, still on the theme of Florida retirement system. Um, you experienced uh, becoming a widow mm -hmm. with a young son. Yes. Two daughters in their, their 20s. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about uh, what went up to your husband's uh, passing uh, any, anything you want to share from the standpoint of, uh, I, I know you, we talked about your friend Marilyn who mm -hmm. referred you a long time ago. Sure. She shared information regarding what happened when her husband passed away. And mm -hmm. so many people have benefited from that. Sure. To the extent you're willing to share, would you do that? Sure. <clears throat> sure. Um, my husband was ill for many, many years, uh, from, had a lot of uh, health issues and health problems. So I was, I was, I guess, more aware than most people are <laughs> of, of the importance of being prepared if something should happen uh, to him. And um, when he died in 1997, I had an 11-year-old son and two daughters that were in college. And I, he had had a lot of heart problems. It was his third heart surgery. So I was, I was always wanting to be sure I had my benefits with the state of Florida. And they were good benefits. They were really good. I was very grateful to have them. And I always wanted to know what my situation would be. Of course, death is never really expected, even when it, you think it's expected. And he died suddenly, and I found myself with an 11-year-old son I had to raise. And I, I had prepared fairly well for that, but uh, there were a lot of things I didn't know and I, that I didn't even know to ask about uh, before, he, before he died. Can you give an example? Uh, one of the things was uh, how my son would be taken care of and how long he would be taken care of because I made assumptions that I'm sure many people would have that uh, uh, Social Security uh, would, would take care of him all the way through college. And I discovered... Uh, to my surprise, that uh, those benefits end uh, as soon as your child graduates from high school or turns 18, if they don't graduate from high school, as soon as they turn 18. That was a, a huge surprise to me uh, for someone who planned well. I, I just didn't know that that law had changed many, many years, possibly even before he was born. It had changed, and I just didn't know about that until it occurred. Um, 
The other part of, of that I dealt with with the Florida retirement system, however, though, because my husband had 37 years, no, 27 years in before he died, um, I did get a retirement benefit for him, and it was option three that you were just mentioning, and that was a good benefit because it took care of my son, at least up until the time he was uh, out of high school. Uh, I was able for myself, since I was getting my own pension when I retired, to take option one. But if I had not been in that particular situation, John, if my husband were still living, if I expected him to live, I certainly would not have taken option one. But it was good to know my, my options under those circumstances that made sense for me. It does make sense. And let's, let's review those four options for a minute. Sure. <clears throat> Some people listening to this will not know what we're talking about. Option one is the option that gives you a lifetime income. But the day you die, if it's one month or 10 years later, that income stops. And it's the highest amount of income. And it's the highest amount of money. That's what my grandfather did. Option two is a little bit less, call it roughly 5% less. You get the check for life, but it's guaranteed for 10 years to whoever mm -hmm. you want to get the money. Right. You can leave it to anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you live 10 years or longer when you die, there's no more money. Right. Then option three that your husband took is the one that gives him the income for life. But upon his passing, you got the same income for the rest of your life. Right. That's what my dad took, and my mother's still getting his check. Mm -hmm. Option four is a variation of that. It's a joint life income with two-thirds to the survivor. Mm -hmm. So if I'm getting 1000 a month, I die, then two-thirds goes to my, mm -hmm. my widow. Uh, likewise, what most people don't know, if she were to die first, even if she's never worked outside the home, my benefit would also be reduced. Most people don't know that. Right. And they find out the hard way when they take that option. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that we want to make sure that we educate people on Absolutely. that are members of the Florida retirement system. Absolutely. And again, your comment earlier about doing it well before they retire. Yes. Because then they have time to plan. Mm -hmm. But some people come to see us literally three, four, six months before sure. they're going to retire. Like, whoops, not much we can do now. And most of them want option one because that's the most money, and they don't think they're going to uh, ever have to deal with the death of a spouse or unusual situations. It's interesting how we want to avoid this thing called death, isn't that's it? That's right. But yet it's inevitable. It's we all inevitable. have it coming. Yes. It's going to happen. That's My right. dad said literally at one week, almost to the hour before he died, he said, you know, guys, you should quit worrying about me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to die until God wants me, and when God wants me, he's going to get me. <laughs> so lighten up. <clears throat> okay. and, I said, and he always said that. There we go. All the time he was battling cancer, all those years, his attitude was, hey, lighten up, guys. I'm That's not right. going until he wants me. That's right. And no matter what your religious views are, you know, <laughs> uh, his was, hey, when God wants me, I'm out of here. That sounds like a guy <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> Talk a little bit about um, what, what were you thinking as you were getting close to retirement for yourself? Were you anxious at all about retiring? Because, look, you were a pretty, pretty high performer what you were yes. doing. Mm -hmm. Was it hard for you to retire? No, I think you know when it's time. You know, uh, even when you're making a contribution and you, and you enjoy the people you work with, I think there's something that comes to you one day uh, when, uh, when you say, oh, you know, it's time for me to go. And I, I had planned to do five years of drop. But after two and a half years, I had that moment. <laughs> you remember what it was? Yes, it was. I was at a, a, one of those long staff meetings that last three times too long uh, with someone who didn't understand what we did. So you said, I, making, I don't know. Yes. I said, you know, um, 
I, I'm ready to get up and walk out of this meeting, and I'm a very polite lady. I don't do things like that. But if I'm having those thoughts, perhaps it's time for me to uh, get on with my life. So and you're telling me someone helped you make that yeah, decision? Yeah, someone helped me make that decision. So. <laughs> but I think I, I was sure. That day, I was sure. I went to work that day and wasn't even thinking about it. And by the end of the day, I was saying, okay, how much do I get for two and a half years and drop? <laughs> Let me go talk to John about that. So uh, I made that decision. I think you just know when it's time. Down, I really do. And I've talked to other people who've retired, and they said the same thing. I didn't recall the experience with the staff meeting, but I remember shortly after, I think within a week or two, you and I met. Yes, we did. And yes, we I did. remember you saying, I've had enough. That's right. You were stressed. <laughs> That's why I would read because you'd reached a point yes. of where as much as you enjoyed your work, you didn't enjoy the process. I didn't enjoy the process. <laughs> I didn't enjoy parts of it, yeah. And I was anxious to get back to my grand piano that I bought to retire on, and it was sitting in my living room waiting for me. So um, I was ready to read all those books and take all those trips and play my piano and do whatever I wanted to. All right, that's a great segue because, see, so many people, I was worried about my father when he first retired because sure. he had no interest. Didn't right. want to travel, didn't want to do anything other than mm-hmm. go hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, one of my other uncles convinced him to travel with them. They'd mm-hmm. go to North Carolina doing things. So talk exactly. about having that list of things that you really I want did. to do because you're one of the most active people I know in That's retirement. Right. Yes. You don't sit on your butt watching nope. television all day I long. do not. So talk a little bit about getting ready to retire, mm-hmm. some of the things, the conversations we had about planning mm-hmm. trips, right. how to finance them, mm-hmm. and then talk a little bit about where you are today. You've been retired now how many oh, years? 20 years? 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. I'm still kind of working, though, on the side. <laughs> 13 years. Yes. 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 Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah. talk a little bit about when you first retired, mm-hmm. planning trips, and now when people would say, eh, I don't feel like traveling anymore, you're excited about it. Oh, absolutely. I was excited about it. And, and one of the things that might uh, not occur to some people, I had a list of 300 books I wanted to read. I love to read. I'm a reader, and I found that And during my working years, I didn't have a lot of time to read. And I, there, I just had so many books that I wanted to read and consume, had a long list. And then I had another list of places I wanted to go and things I wanted to see. And uh, so that was that was there, too. But I also just wanted downtime. I wanted me time. I wanted time to go to the gym. I wanted time to to learn things. I'd never had time to learn before, maybe how to grow a garden in my backyard. But I had plans of what I wanted to do. I remember shortly after retiring, Vala, you just taught me something. As many times as we've met over the years, I never knew about the list of 300 books. 300 books. And I read a lot, too. Mm-hmm. I read a lot, and I love to read. I do, too. But you, Real books, not Kindles. Right. I like books. I want to hold it. I want to dog you, ear those pages. You got real serious about your health and nutrition yes. there, too, shortly Absolutely. after retiring. Yeah, yes, I, mean, I you did. Got, you got almost like obsessed with it. Right. You want to talk a little bit about yes, that? Yes. I retired <clears throat> in November 2006 and worked a little bit part-time for my son-in-law and then got, uh, he's a naturopathic uh, chiropractor. And he got me um, really changing a lot of things about my life. And about 2008, I decided to get serious about it. And I actually lost 80 pounds in a year and a half. And that made it much easier to travel. <laughs> and it made, you know, so that was something that I was able to focus on. That I, a lot of people say I don't have time to work on my body because I got to work. Well, I had time and I made time to do that. And it was a slow process for me, but I got it done. I got it done. And that changes so many things about what you can do. Um, when you lose that weight, when you get it off and you feel great about yourself. You didn't lose 80 pounds. 
you released. I released it and dropped it, and <laughs> they haven't come back. Right. <laughs> so that's right. It changes your world. It does. It? it does. And uh, it's great if you can do that before you retire and be able to climb that mountain a little earlier. But I got to it afterwards, and I made the time for myself. And that was something a lot of us don't do in our working years raising families. We don't make that time for ourselves. So that was that became a big part of my retirement. Was what made, what made it a priority, up. Kay? What, what took it from down at the bottom to the top? I think, uh, um, I think it was just that I finally had an opportunity to focus on me. I was really concerned about my kids and focusing. That was my excuse anyway, was that you know, i got to focus on them. i got to focus on them. And for anybody who, who food is a comfort and they, they gain weight, that that's a way you cope. It's a way, certainly it's a way you cope. And it's a way you look at yourself as well. And I finally didn't have to look at any of them. I was just looking at me. I said, i got things I want to do. i got places I want to go. And I want to look great doing that. So it was that's what it was for me. So I think you just said a key point. It's a holistic approach. See, um, I don't know how I came up with this thinking, but it dawned on me about 30 years ago helping clients. So, you know, people talk about they want to retire. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to retire, you have more time. Mm-hmm. Do you want more money to go with the time or less money? Mm-hmm. And I remember arguing with one of my best clients. He said, well, I won't need as much money in retirement. Yes, you will. I said, well, I think you will. <laughs> but even if you don't think you need it, why wouldn't you want the same money you're earning now? Sure. Why do you want to settle for less? Exactly. you got more time on your hands. Yes. Do you want to have to cut back on your standard of living? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a time to go pursue other things? Exactly. If you want to travel, travel. Mm-hmm. Don't, if you don't like traveling, don't do it. Stay home. Mm-hmm. You know, do whatever you want to do. All right. And, but, John, I think one of the things you prepared me for um, when we first few sessions we ever had was the fact that it's a myth to think that you're not going to have as much or need as much money in retirement. That's not true. <laughs> you're going to need, you're going, if you want to have any kind of life, you're going to probably be spending more, and you might have to still be dealing with tax consequences of things because you'll have more money. Absolutely. And I, I never really thought that way, that I'm going to have less money. I just wanted to have plenty. <laughs> well, think of it this way, because I've known you a long time, so I'm, I'm just going to beat to the point. So you went from being who you were, quote, worker, employee, mm-hmm. state government, right. to retired. Yep. Okay. Then you got serious about your health I did. With, with David's health. Mm-hmm. And you got, as a matter of fact, let's do a little plug for him. It's David Frazier, who we're talking David about. David Frazier. Awesome guy. Awesome chiropractor. <clears throat> the, you got serious and you had a coach mm-hmm. who helped there. Yes. But the coach doesn't do the work for you. No. You're the one who had to change your eating habits. Right. You're the one who had to get your butt in the gym and work out. I did. And if you don't take care of yourself, how can you expect to take care of someone else? Exactly. You're exactly right. So, so you did that. But the benefit of that is, okay, if you want to take time to read, you want to take time to travel and do things with your family, if you're not healthy and don't have the financing to do it, Mm -hmm. how can you do it? You can't do it. And then it's depressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's depressing when you can't do what you want to do. And I discovered in going to the gym that I love to swim. I hadn't been swimming since I was a kid, uh, young to the age of 10. I just didn't, didn't, and I just thought, you know, I love this stuff. <laughs> I love swimming, and that became my favorite upper exercise. That had, that had a big part in my losing all that weight. Is that what you still fun. do? Is I still do. I still swim. I'm still a swimmer. Yeah. I've never gotten into swimming. I can swim, but I am not real good at swimming. If I had, to, if you threw me in a pool, I could swim. You don't have to be good I'd, at I'd it, be okay. <laughs> You don't have to be good at it. For me, it's the uh, treadmill. I like dancing. You don't have to be good at it. Just get up and do it. That's right. I enjoy the dancing. That's good. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's take it another step now. You made a comment about taxes. So yes. Let's talk about taxes, but it, it, let's do it in a big picture of you've got this benefit from the Florida retirement system. Mm-hmm. 
you have Social Security, yes. and then later when you're 65, you have Medicare. Yes. So let's talk about how to coordinate those things, because uh, you're at the seminar we did a couple of weeks ago. It was packed. We had like 88 people in that room. But so many people think that it's compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. you got my pension or my 401k at work. Then Social Security is standalone, mm-hmm. Medicare, and it's not, is it? It all, all ties together. It all fits together. It certainly does. For example, your Social Security benefits are become going to be taxable if you have good income coming, decent income, <laughs> not necessarily being wealthy, but just decent income from other sources. There's a lot of people have no idea that their Social Security benefits will ever be taxable. You're right, and that's a big, big surprise to some people when they. When they retire and and they they're just stunned that they have to pay taxes on Social Security they paid into for years. That's a big cut uh, to do that. <clears throat> the other thing that uh, you learn when you go on Medicare <clears throat> is that they that can become an issue for you as well. And the reason is because the government, unbeknownst to me, uh, starts looking at your tax returns when you're on Medicare. Let's be specific. One second there. Okay. Let's talk about what you're getting. Let's set the okay. stage. So, because a lot of people don't know how Medicare works. You have okay. Part A and B. Part A and B. A costs you nothing if you have your full 40 quarters. That's right. Part B, you have to pay a premium, folks, each month. This year, 2019, is 150, excuse, uh, 135.50 a month. <clears throat> and then what Kay is about to describe is what we call a surtax, I call it. And I'm going to let... Kay could walk you through what she experienced because I have to give credit where it's due. Kay Harris is the reason that I got motivated to learn more about taxation right. of Medicare. I already knew mm-hmm. about the Social Security because we taught that all the time, but the right. Medicare, uh, Kay, you're the reason I got so so focused and obsessed with that. So share your story. Right. Well, I never even thought about in my Medicare um, payments each month, which come right out of your Social Security check. I never thought about them changing more than, you know, cost of living or or government uh, adjustments to it from year to year. I never thought it had anything to do with my taxes. And what I discovered was that uh, in about 2016 is that that the federal government takes a look at your income from two years prior. And in 2014, I came to John and said, John, I want to I want to pull some money out of my annuity and I want to travel a little bit. And he said, sure, we'll do that. And I took out, I think it was about $20,000, paid my taxes on it, didn't think about it, had a good time, traveled and enjoyed that. Well, apparently, uh, my income for that year, my AGI, was higher than it had been. It was uh, very different from what it had been in previous years or years afterward. It was just an anomaly. And uh, the government looked at that and said, oh, my goodness, uh, you have hit a ceiling. In other words, we have this number, and if you go over this number for your adjusted gross income on your 1040, you get to pay more for Medicare Part B, and you get to pay more for Medicare Part D because it looks like you got a lot of money. So, <laughs> so and I, I studied this, and this is called IRMA. It stands for Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. Right. That's IRMA, and like the recent hurricane, it can hit you when you don't know what's coming. Right. So, okay. so I got hit on this, and I discovered in my research that I only went a couple of hundred dollars over a ceiling I didn't know existed. At the time, it was around 85000 if I recall, mm-hmm. John. And just because of that extra money I took out one year, I went $200 over and got penalized about $200 a month for the next year. For, for Because of Part B. Because of Part B, I had to pay a surcharge, and, and then... 
Part D, I suddenly had to pay for the first time in my life because I'm in an Advantage program and I never had to pay Part D. And I tried to get out of it. I tried to say, well, wait a minute. This was an a unusual situation, and I'm not ordinarily. I, I, I thought about you last week, Kay. I was in my mailbox, and I had an Irma letter. An Irma letter. I'd already gotten one on B yes. about three yes. weeks prior, but I got the second one. And so instead of just sending one letter, they left to make it painful to send yes. two of them. Yes, and it's very hard to get out of it. You have to have some kind of traumatic event, and you've got only so many days to apply, so you got to be sure you watch your mail. But as a good planner, which I, I always plan my taxes ahead of time, and it was just something I didn't know that I didn't know. And if I had known that, I could have easily gone in two months before the end of the tax year and bought myself something for my cabin up in Kentucky and spent another $400, and it wouldn't even have applied. Or, but I didn't know. Or if we knew that, we could have taken a little bit less. You could take have said, I'm going to take less. Take to less. Spend that. Sure. Now, uh, for some people, there's nothing they can do because right. if their income is such, that they're going to have to do Sure. That. But let's go back to what you said earlier about Social Security. See, at one time, Social Security benefits were not taxed. That's what I've heard. Yes. I, I am amazed at the number of people who will come in and they they think that the money they take out of deferred comp for the state or their drop money or an mm -hmm. IRA or mm -hmm. a 403B if they're at the university or hospital system. Sure. They think that money is not taxed. Right. For whatever reason. Wait a minute. You never paid tax on it before. Mm -hmm. It's retirement. Surely you've known, you have known this tax. Right. But we'll have people who just, they forget it. They forget about it. They totally forget about it. Because mm -hmm. most people are so worried and afraid of taxes and hate taxes that they allow the tax tail to wag the economic dog. Exactly. And until people forget about taxes mm -hmm. for a minute, go through the planning first. Look at do you have enough income? Mm -hmm. Jay, I'm thinking of somebody this morning we spoke with about their required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. Because of stuff we put in place a couple of years ago, this guy doesn't have to take money out of two other accounts if he doesn't want to. He can okay. let those grow for another mm -hmm. year and spend the other money. Okay. But it's understanding the rules and the regulations. Understanding that, too. It's right. understanding it. Right. All right. So while we're on this theme of Social Security Medicare, Mm -hmm. And Irma. And Irma. Anything else you want to throw in that mix? Because i got a couple more questions for you in a second. Basically about tax planning? Tax planning. Because you're very, very meticulous about yes. planning. Yes, yes. I plan way, way ahead. And and for years, um, I do have a, um, a Schedule E deduction that, that for a cabin that I invested in years ago. And that's that's a wonderful cabin. I continue to use that. But that, that helps me with my uh, adjusted gross income for sure. And uh, I, for a while, I had a corporation which gave me certain benefits, I have now changed that to a Schedule C. So I'm always planning ahead, uh, a Schedule C, a sole proprietorship business. I'm always planning ahead and looking at all the implications well before the end of the tax year. And if I wanted, you know, my annuity started here recently, and that was a taxable event, but it was also income that came. So all of these pieces have to fit together. And that's what's really important is understanding all the pieces to the puzzle uh, that are going to hit you when, yeah. you when you retire. Yes, and also, if you start early enough, as yes. Kay pointed out, you can implement strategies yes. to where a portion of the income you receive is right. not even taxed. Right. But you, you can't do it at the last minute. You can't do it at the last minute. It's too late. And, uh, and if you if, don't know, if you don't know what's coming. I haven't promoted this yet, but on April 4th, Peter Stahl's coming back. Remember him? Yes, the I the do. The Medicare guy? Yes. Uh, that's one you definitely want to attend. 
and we'll get the word out. But he is going to take an hour and cover some of the stuff we're talking about, but more so, how do you manage healthcare costs in general in exactly. retirement? Exactly. And then together, he and I are going to talk about solutions to some of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's of the mindset that if people in their 50s will start paying attention to this, that gives them enough time that when they are worried about required minimum distributions, mm-hmm. they can have other non-retirement dollars in place to help offset that tax. Yes, exactly. But if you do nothing until you're 66 years old or 67 or 70, then mm-hmm. it's pretty late. Right, it's Not too late you to can plan do. for that. The government controls it. Right. And as we're seeing in the news today, we're seeing all kind of talk about raising tax rates back to 70%. Yes. And, and at the highest in our country, there were 92% mm-hmm. at one time, ordinary income tax. Okay, I don't remember that. (laughs) I think I would remember that. (laughs) Well, I can promise you it's there. We can Mm -hmm. look it up and show you. But 92%, in fact, that was one of the motivators for Ronald Reagan. Yes. That when he became governor, Mm -hmm. he kept taxes and we became president. Mm -hmm. Because he got a million-dollar signing bonus and he Mm -hmm. lost 90% of it. Wow. For doing the movie. And he said, if I ever can control taxes, I'm going to. Exactly. And it's interesting when you read his story about that because when he became Mm -hmm. governor, he pounded the assembly there mm-hmm. in California to reduce the taxes. Right. And then we became president. Mm-hmm. He was the reason the tax rates dropped from right. 50% down to 28% top bracket. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned taxes because I think a lot of people have this idea that they're, what they're going to receive in retirement is mostly not taxable for Correct. some reason. <laughs> they think that. And if you've planned well and you have some income coming in years ahead, uh, you need to know that that income is most likely going to be taxable unless you've made certain provisions for that. I think there are two myths. I'm, I will be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. Mm-hmm. We rarely see that. Mm-hmm. Most people are in the same bracket, exactly. if not a bit higher. And then they tool along for a few years, then this thing called RMD, uh-huh. Required Minimum Distributions, when you're 70 and a half. There you go. Them. And if they've done a good job of accumulating money in IRAs, deferred comp, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, whoops, i got to take out ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. That, on top of their income, mm-hmm. makes them in a higher bracket, so right. they pay more income tax. Medicare Part B looks at it and says, hmm, you're rich, That's Kate. right. I'm going to take some more. <laughs> To the tune of exactly. bucks a month. <clears throat> exactly, exactly. So that's what you're describing. Yes, that's exactly. And, and no, there is no way, in my opinion, I'll just say it emphatically, there's no way that you can plan for that without doing some projections. You've got exactly. to do a re- dress rehearsal, retirement rehearsal, and say, what will my income be mm-hmm. five years, 10, 15, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. out? And then ask the question, if we have the same tax brackets we have today, what would be the impact? Mm-hmm. If Social Security and Medicare are taxed the same as today, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And we know that's going to change because yes. Congress keeps screwing with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And depending upon, I don't care about people's political views, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican or independent, whoever is in power is going to try to change the tax rates, either up or down. Sure. I and mean, that's just a game that's played every year. Exactly. Every uh, administration, right. if you will. You got to know your options, and you got to consider the consequences. <laughs> That's good planning. We're talking about options, let's talk about what we were discussing during lunch. One of the things that I focus on more and more mm-hmm. is getting people to plan first. I tell them we're going to charge you a fee for the planning. Sure. You have zero pressure to buy a product. I have mm-hmm. no pressure to sell a product. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take you through everything we've been talking about, so you'll understand what the heck is out there. Mm-hmm. And I like to tell people, and I want your view on this. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people there are only four things you can do. When we get done with the planning, we'll give you a report. Right. Only four things you can do that report. 
Totally ignore it. Do mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. You can spread it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, do it all by yourself. Mm-hmm. You can take the results of our study to someone else and get them to help you. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, okay, I want Team Curry to help me. Right. That would be me and my team. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts on that, about the process, the way of doing it. From the standpoint, your view is find counsel, get help. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I being too too abrupt with that four step approach? Oh, I think that's awesome. I think that's great, and, and I'm I'm certainly the one that will go and get a lot of other opinions and, and ask a lot of questions, and and find someone I'm comfortable that I have some confidence in for sure. Let's address that for a second. That wasn't the purpose of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. So too many times we told this gentleman this morning he was uncomfortable with his accountant. Mm-hmm. I said, well, ask him some questions. You and your wife yeah. sit down, prepare your questions. Yeah. It's okay. And if he's offended by that, you should find another professional. Absolutely. Now, if you're being a horse's patoot, that's a mm-hmm. different issue. But everyone everyone who's a professional providing services should be willing to answer your question to make exactly. you feel at ease. Exactly. But you, you always do your homework. I always do. And when I, when I need professional help, whether it's an estate planning attorney or a CPA or anyone else, I do what's called a meet and greet. And I, I called them up and I said, I'm not doing a consultation. I want to come meet you. And I can tell with my list of questions and the response of that person within about five minutes if that's somebody I, I can work with. And um, that's, t- that's been important to me all my life. I don't just go by a list of somebody's credentials. I have to sit down with them and look at them eye to eye and get a feel for that. Maybe I'll have a second visit after that. But that's relationships and trust are very important See, to me. You and I met because of a strong relationship, someone that you valued exactly. her opinion, and I valued her opinion. And she said, John, you need to meet Kay. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know exactly what her words were to you exactly. about me. But when we met, we, we, we got, it was a new BS deal. We got mm-hmm. right down, you had your questions. And I we, did. We created a relationship right. and went to work. Right. And it was my relationship with Marilyn that I had the confidence to do that. That was probably a rare situation, John, because I, I got a, a good person the first time. Usually I go through a lot of people <laughs> before I get that happy person that I would. But in that situation, uh, I had so much confidence in her. And you had so many things that I had never even thought about that were not on my list. And that was so impressive. And well, I've known you 22 years, so that's 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 a good thing. Well, I uh, I appreciate you saying that, but I will tell you, you've taught me a lot over the years. Okay. The, the most uh, the most impressive one though that I felt badly about was about not knowing about Irma. Yeah. And I remember you saying, "Well, look, there's no way you can know about everything, but this mm-hmm. is something you can learn and help clients." Sure. And leading up, what a few weeks ago, and I called you about doing this. Uh, you even asked the question, well, how can I help? I said, are mm-hmm. you kidding me? You've got such a wealth of knowledge right. that people would benefit. Sure. But every time every time someone brings a problem to me, I don't get upset about it. I go, okay, how can we learn from this? Sure. Because if I can help you with it, <clears throat> now I've got another piece of knowledge that I have mm-hmm. that we can help other people with. Sure. So I can either be upset about it begrudgingly solve the problem or embrace it and mm-hmm. learn and help other and people. Learn. Yeah, we got to keep learning. we just got to keep learning. And I, I can promise you, I will not be caught by Irma again. <laughs> now, you may not get caught by Irma. Uh, you may have to pay Irma, but it won't be a surprise. That's right. That's well, yeah, I'm going to make sure. See, there's another side of that coin. See, uh, uh, I remember, I, I even said this in the last seminar, people will come into me and they'll say, I want to be in the lowest tax bracket possible when mm-hmm. I retire. Mm-hmm. I go, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm going to pay less tax. No, that's not what you said. You said you want to be in the lowest tax bracket possible. Mm-hmm. If you're in the lowest tax bracket possible, you don't need my help. 
Right. Because that means you basically have no income and you have a lousy retirement. What you meant to say is you'd like to be in the highest tax bracket possible but find legal ways to reduce the income tax. Oh, yeah, Yeah. you're right. (laughs) Absolutely. My goal in some ways is I hope you do have an IRMA issue because it means you made so much money you don't care. Exactly. And you're living the life you want to live. Exactly. Doing the things you want to do. So let's go back to some of these things that are on your bucket list. Okay. I want you to talk a little bit about travel, some of the travel you've done, Mm -hmm. some of the travel plans you have in the future, because I see so many people who have, quote, retired, Mm -hmm. and they say, well, you know, I'm too old, I can't do this, I'm 70 years old now, I'm 75, I can't do that, I can't do that. Would you help me get rid of some of that nonsense (laughs) of their thinking? Absolutely. There's there's so many options out there for great travel. There, it just it's a whole new world that I never had the time until I retired because I was working. I had my family. Um, other people always came first. Well, when you when you retire, there's a whole world out there, and you're not going to know it's out there unless you just get out there and see it. And I decided that if I'm going to travel, I'm going to travel first class. So that's a decision that I made for myself, was to get out there and see what I wanted to see in the way that I wanted to see it. And it's very rewarding. It really is. It costs money to do that. Uh, but you're spending it on yourself for a change. You're spending it on yourself. But I've had an opportunity to see parts of the world, uh, Canada, the West Coast that I've never seen before. Uh, I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to uh, Austria. I've been to London. I've been on several trips. And every trip makes me want to do more traveling and do more traveling. There's so much of the world that that is out there that is such an opportunity to have new adventures. And, and, then, and the more you go, the more you want to go. How do you go about planning those? Do you say, I'm going to take one or two major trips a year? Or do you think, sit down and say, okay, this, these, here's number four and five on my mm-hmm. list and just go down the list? How do you do that? Well, I'll segue into something there. I'd like to try two big ones a year, but really big ones and then small getaways. And the only thing, John, that interferes with my plans for really great trips twice a year is those unexpected medical expenses we've talked about that, right. that people don't plan for in retirement. You're everything from the neck up. That is not covered by by Medicare. Your ears, your eyes, and your teeth. And when those expenses come along, sometimes those trips are once a year, <laughs> or not at all. And so that was I wanted to be sure to get that in because that was the one area that I really had no idea how expensive it could be, and how much Medicare would not cover. So when I have to give up one of my two trips, that's not a good thing. <laughs> well, let's go back and expand on that for a minute regarding Medicare. Uh-huh. Earlier, we were talking about the fact that you are under the uh, CHP Medicare Advantage. Yes, I am. Another option is to do original Medicare, it's called, sure. with a Medicare supplement policy, sure. which is the way I went. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your experience because you you shared some real positive things earlier about all the different places you've gotten care. Yes. And a lot of people listening to this are going to have CHP Medicare Advantage available. So share some of that. Sure, I will. I was, of course, with the with the state system all the years that I worked for the state, and that was great. And then you have a kind of a, a bridge when you get out of there. They cover you for so many years till Medicare kicks kicks in from the state of Florida. So that was that was great. And I had I started with CHP in 1983 when they first opened. And had my family had been with them uh, the whole time. I had very good experience uh, all along the way. And then when I hit Medicare, I went to their seminars that they offer here in town and got all the scoop, did my homework, and talked to them about it. And I, I said, well, I like all that. By that time, almost every doctor in Tallahassee was, rela- was somehow integrated with CHP. It wasn't like they had a small network. They had a huge network 
of people all over the city. It's hard to find anybody now who's not associated with Capital Health Plan. Right. So I chose to go with their Advantage program, which basically means that they, they take over the drug portion of Part D Medicare. And you, can't, you work through them. You don't carry your Medicare card anymore. You carry your CHP card. My experience with them, and every year I go back to their seminars and review everything again, is that it's provided great benefits for me in the form of uh, health care, $150 a year I get back for being part of a gym and taking care of myself. Um, I don't have to I don't have to get any permission from anybody to go to a specialist anymore. But one of the one of the issues that some people might question that I have not had a problem with at all is travel. Right. And I, every time before I traveled to Europe and before I went to Canada, before I went to Costa Rica, I called and they checked and they said, well, uh, just take your card with you and you might have a, a base charge of $50 or something depending on the country you're in, but we cover you. And that has been true for me. I have been been in Kentucky and gone to urgent care and paid nothing. I just showed them my card. I have been in Europe and had an issue where I had to go to a pharmacy, and they didn't ask for anything. They just took my card. I've been to Costa Rica and had the same experience. And then in South Florida, I went to an uh, emergency room in Sarasota. They gave me a bill. I took it to CHP, and they paid it. My experience with CHP, CHP has been positive. That's all I can do is report what I have. And one of the reasons I probably won't move out of the county before uh, the maker calls me home <laughs> is because I love CHP. And that this is where I've, I've, I've been happy since 1983. See, to me, that was refreshing for you to share that because I've heard stories. Sure, sure. Uh, Everybody's got their story. The one that's most painful was a, a friend and a client who had a $5,000 bill and CHP would not cover it. Hmm. And I don't know if they've got it resolved, but the last time we had talked, they had not. Right. Because he was traveling on a cruise ship. That's where it occurred. Wow, okay. Uh, and he got very ill. So... Um, so that's refreshing to hear that. Yes. Because like you, from time to time, I will go to the Medicare Advantage workshops. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't, I knew I was not going to take mm -hmm. that, I wanted to be knowledgeable about it. Right. Right. I wanted to understand mm -hmm. it. Well, just do your homework. And the CHP has wonderful seminars. They're every in October for everybody on Medicare. They have a series of them. You just go to their website. There's several options for state uh, state workers who retire. You can get, I, I'm actually on the, I'm pretty healthy, so I'm on the, their basic plan, but there's other plans where you can get more. I don't I don't think I, I've used prescriptions more than five times in the last eight years. <laughs> so so I'm healthy, and I, I choose the option that goes with that. But they have other options as well. And just, just ask a lot of questions, talk a lot of people, and find out for yourself. And, you know, if I had ever had a bad experience, then I probably would have looked at another option. But for me, it has it has worked beautifully. Let's do this. Uh, let's take a few minutes to kind of summarize and then okay. write down. I'm, I'm just sitting here just amazed at how much we've covered here in this time together. You, mm -hmm. You've shared your experiences with which option to choose yes. for yourself and also right. your husband mm -hmm. for the Florida retirement system. How to coordinate that with Social Security and Medicare. Yes. And, and your health insurance coverage right. after mm -hmm. retirement. Mm -hmm. To me, the most profound, though, is your, your, your willingness to talk about um, what you experienced becoming a widow. Yes. Um, what, what would have helped, in hindsight, for you to be better prepared for widowhood? Is there anything that could have been better, made it, made it better? Probably not for the emotional part, no. Right, the emotional no, part. that that yeah. you're never prepared, even though you're prepared, is what I can say for that. But, um, say that again. You're never prepared 
even when you're prepared. <laughs> because uh, he had been, my husband had been Ill, Ill for 17 years before he died off and on with heart problems and other problems. So uh, I guess I, and the one part of your brain says it could happen at any time and another, another side of your brain isn't ready. Right. So no matter how ready you are. So, so there were a lot of issues I had to deal with that were just financial. And I don't think any of us expects to find ourselves alone <laughs> when you've been married a long time before you're 50 years old. So I, I was prepared in general, but not in specifics for how to deal with, with what I would face with a young child. Did you and your husband talk about uh, finances on a regular basis? I know you focus on it. Was he the same way or did he kind of resist it? He resisted it, even though he was a CPA, <laughs> which is kind of unusual. It was, it was kind of like, I think it's a, a lot of people are like this, they don't really want to talk about their own death. Cool. They, you know. And he was not healthy, so that was a topic that he probably thought about a lot, but didn't want to talk to me about it. So a lot of my research I did on my own. A lot of my thinking and planning I did on my own, or with other professionals rather than with him. Well, one of my <laughs> mentors told me many, many years ago, he said, look, happy, well-adjusted human beings don't want to talk about dying. That's right. And in my own case, I do my planning usually once a year, either on or close to my birthday. Right. And my attitude is, let's talk about death mm -hmm. once a year and then live the rest of the time. And like then move that. on. Whether like it be life insurance beneficiaries, mm -hmm. reviewing the wills. Because I don't want to dwell on it either. Get right. it done and get out of the way. Get it done and move on. Exactly. All right. What advice would you offer anyone, especially anyone who's listening to this, that's a member of the Florida Retirement System, that is, let's say they're, you know, let's say they're five to ten years away from retirement. What advice would you offer them? Basically, just to plan ahead and know what you want. Define what you what you think you want your retirement to look like, even if it's twenty years away, even if it's fifteen years away, and then talk to some experts who can give you options and explain consequences to you. And do it early rather than later. Expand on when you say what you want retirement to look like. What right. Is, like you mean like as far as are you going to travel? Yes. Activities? What do you want to do in retirement? What is your bucket list? What is it? What is you? What is it you imagine it to be? And that's when when you start talking about that, that's when you bring up things like, well, I I won't make as much money in retirement. You need to be talking, thinking about really, <laughs> you know, really is that what you really want in retirement? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How much will that cost? How will you pay for that? Um, how are you going to live? Where are you going to live? What do you want to do? What are your options? Are? But those things you should talk about when you're as young as your colleague here at the table <laughs> and just had his first baby last year. You need to think about that. Now, what do you want your retirement to look like? What do you want to be doing with that child <clears throat> in 20, 30, 40 years? Right. And do it well ahead of time and find out what's, uh, what you need to know way ahead of time, not two months before you're ready to have your retirement party. <laughs> All right, one more question. <clears throat> What is next for Kay Harris? Because I know you're not sitting on your family doing nothing. No, so no. What does the future look like for Kay? Well, the future for me is getting back to that list because I didn't get all through, through all 300 of those books. I got kind of diverted into some other things where solving other people's problems, and I'm getting back to my book list very, very quickly. I'm going to get back. And in fact, John, I think I, I have a book in me to write. I've always been a good writer, and I don't, really didn't know why I had the gift of gab and, and writing and didn't have a funnel for it. <clears throat> so I think that that is probably going to be uh, on my list of things to do. What would the subject be? It would have nothing to do with my career. It would have nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with financial planning or anything like that. It would probably be more about um, knowing yourself and being happy 
in the moment, every moment of every day, being happy and making choices and knowing how valuable you are as a human being. And something along those lines. It hasn't come to me yet, but that's what I'm finding in my own life. And if I can find a way to effectively share that with some other people, it's, you don't need years of therapy to get your uh, wanna, to get your mind wanna, on the right track. I want to buy the first copy. That's too. right. So when are you going to when are you going to get busy <laughs> on this thing? Soon, <laughs> soon, yeah. very soon. I'm going to bug you as your yes. friend. I'm going to poke do you. Do that. Family. Do that. I don't care if it's a bestseller. Nobody has to read it. But it's just a lot of thoughts, I things agree. I have learned that I, I, I want to get down. Get it done. I, I procrastinated on mine for mm-hmm. literally three years. I right. talked about doing it, and finally 2009 got it out. Mm-hmm. And just this morning, driving in, I was talking with the lady who helped me do it. I said, I got another book in me. Will you help me? She said, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So if you need an editor, I got somebody that can help me. Right. I also want to get back to my piano, which I bought when I retired, my beautiful white baby grand piano that hasn't been played enough. I want to get back to doing that. Music has been a part of my life from the time I was uh, six years old and took my first piano lesson. And uh, my birthday's coming up Sunday and I'm going to go hear my favorite pianist on Clearwater Beach because he's going to be there and so am I. <laughs> I just, I'm going to do the things that I enjoy doing well, on a daily basis. Happy birthday thank in you. advance. Kay Harris, thank you so thank, much for Thank you, John, today. for being there for me. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you. If you would like to know more about John Curry Services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, products, and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances, not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005-2018. through This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own.